Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. And now, as you can see, video cast. We're going to try it out this week, give it a shot, uh, hopefully bring the content to you guys on more platforms. Of course, I'm Jake Latarski. I'm joined today by John Litterine. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Roto Jake. Today, we're going to be making our picks for the biggest fights at UFC 264, McGregor versus Poirier. Of course, uh, the Fight IQ guys are going to be coming back with you. Sean, Joe, Chris, they'll be here Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to try to give you an early look at, at mostly the main card, maybe a little bit of the, of the extra card, kind of a just kind of an early section of that. Also, don't forget to check out uh, John's DraftKings article up on rotowire.com right now. That is free. Check out the betting section on rotowire.com. We've got all different kinds of props set up, organized to help you in the best way possible there's some cool ways to use that to your dfs advantage as well but uh first and foremost john good to have you here good to have you on video how's it going oh well i can't match your beard but besides that it's fun <laughs> yeah yeah we got it we got a taste of that on fight iq for the last pay-per-view when i when i had a subbed in just a pandemic beard i guess that yeah that we had do it to if I wanted to. exactly i wasn't going anywhere in public for a few months so why not try it out and uh, i guess it's just stuck here but I know everyone's listening there. Everyone here listening, itching to hear some Conor McGregor talk. But first, man, I, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how the UFC did Francis and Ganu dirty. We were asked about the last couple, uh, the best headlines we can kind of talk about to break the ice. And, and really, that that is it. Of course, August 7th, we're going to have an interim heavyweight championship belt, Cyril Gane and, um, and, uh, why is it breaking my mind? Derek Lewis, of course. Can't forget about Derek Lewis. Uh, Gain and Lewis, Gane and Lewis. Um, Man, that's got to be a tough break for Francis, huh? Yeah, I don't like it. You know, interim belts for me are like a last resort. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we haven't seen Francis recently. So, you know, you don't March. have that. You don't, yeah, you don't, you, don't, you don't have that excuse. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing, someone mentioned on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, how the other crazy thing is, where's Stipe in all this? Mm-hmm. He hasn't been mentioned at, about any, at all about anything. And it's like they kind of, I mean, you know, he's around, but like this is this whole thing's really weird, you know. And I get that 
you know, Derek Lewis is from Texas and I think the events in yeah. Houston. So, yeah. th- you know, that's yeah. certainly played into it and that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man, interim titles for me should be like a last resort. Yeah. A guy gets injured, a guy keeps, you know, having to cancel this, that, the other thing. But a guy hasn't fought in what? Three months, four months, and you're already mm-hmm. strapping an interim title on someone else. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, the rules are different for Connor, of course, but he can go a whole well, right. year on the sidelines, and you know, without having to worry about this interim title. It seems like it's just a negotiating tactic. You know, the reports are maybe that Ngannou wasn't quite ready to fight in June, July, or August, and they really wanted to get Derek Lewis on this August card. They already have Amanda Nunes on the card, but she's got some of the worst record. As awesome as she is, she just can't sell pay per view. So she's one of the worst uh, at selling uh, numbers wise at least you know in terms of that so they wanted to get a heavyweight fight on there and you know it might be some espn related thing how they have to have so many title fights of course the fight the card we're about to talk about no title fights at all here so maybe they're making up for the a little bit of lost time here but uh i guess it's a common negotiating tactic it is kind of dirty but i guess it's a business it is what it is and you know they threatened to give an interim if he doesn't want to defend and he was unable to defend after she's three four months which is insane insane and like you said john we're Stipe, where's John Jones and all of this? What's going to happen to him? You know, really, it's really kind of a jab at him just as much as everything else because when's he going to get a chance to fight for the heavyweight belt training after all this time? Yeah, and, you know, the other problem is, you know, neither of these fights, I mean, this is my personal opinion, neither of these title fights do a whole heck of a lot for me. Like, you know, Cyril and Lewis will be, like, entertaining, but... I'm certainly not at the point where whoever wins, I think, can beat Nganu. So, you know, that doesn't do mm-hmm. a ton for me. And, you know, Amanda, that's Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena, right? Yeah, the Venezuela. That, does, that, doesn't do, that doesn't do anything for me either. So, you know, I and then we know the UFC's tendency on cards where they have two championship fights to kind of punt the rest of it. We've talked about this, get this how many times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope that's a strong undercard because I know there are two title fights on it. They're not the best two title fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll be tuning in, of course, because you know, I love right. me some. I love me some Derek Lewis. I can't get it. No, that'll that be entertaining. Guy. But I, yes. you know, it's not like I don't think whoever wins is going to beat Ngannou or anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we know what happened after the Lewis Ngannou fight. <laughs> you know, the first time, probably one of the worst heavyweight titles. Yeah, that was that was really bad. title fight, one of the worst of all time. But anyway, we good. don't need to talk about those guys any longer. Uh, you know, it's good to touch on that, of course. But let's talk about what uh, the audience is here for. They want to hear us discuss Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier. Now, DraftKings has this. This one pretty much is a straight pick. I'm 8,100 apiece for these guys. The odds, you know, last week when I was looking at it, um, Poirier, and it was a, it was basically a pick them two on the odds. And I'm thinking I'm going to go out to Vegas this Saturday, and I might uh, I might go ahead and catch this fight in person. But um, I'm thinking, like, geez, how many house payments do I bet on Poirier at even money? And uh, we'll talk about why in a second here. But the mo- money's moving a little bit. Poirier minus 120, McGregor plus 100. Vegas does like this one to end early. Odds to finish are minus 325 here. Um, it's a close fight. The odds say it's a close fight here, John. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Looks like a close fight to me. Um, so I'm going to start with with the obligatory note that if you plan on betting Conor McGregor, you should do so within the next 48 hours maximum, I would say. Certainly mm-hmm. before Friday. Because once everybody ascends on Vegas, that price tag is going to go up. It's how yep. it works. He's the most popular fighter in the sport, and people bet him. People who know nothing about MMA bet him. Mm-hmm. Um, his number is going to go up. Yeah. I imagine I say, by the, 
I will say I, the Irish travel amazingly well. I was on absolutely. Vegas for UFC no 200. What. It was supposed to be yes. McGregor Diaz. Of course, they ended up going to Bones DC, which turned out to be DC Silva. But the arena was filled. Like yeah. when I would walk around, Irish people everywhere carrying Irish flags. They were ready. They had all bought the reservations and everything for Connor. So yeah, yeah, when this is all said and done, I would guess that Poirier. What he's like minus 125 now, right? Yeah, I would guess he'll be like minus 115, and Connor will be like minus 110. I don't see any scenario in which the money doesn't swing towards McGregor within by the time this thing rolls around on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So which is if why I'm going to wait on my Poirier yeah. bets because I want to maybe get yep. even money. On and if you, stuff. but if you're if you're on the other side and you're going to bet McGregor, I would certainly say do it within the next 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Now, when we go to the picks, I had a lot of I flip flopped on this one, and that's obviously easy to do considering both guys are 8100. Um, you know, everybody knows the third fight between the two. Um, Connor won the first one. Poirier won the second one. Um, I ended up taking McGregor here. You know, I'm not thrilled about it. Um, I just thought that I liked how Connor looked in the second fight until Poirier started destroying him with leg kicks. Mm-hmm. It literally turned the entire tide of the fight. Connor was fine for the vast majority of the first round, other than the leg kicks. And Poirier just unloaded and unloaded, and Connor had no answer. And by the time it was over, he had no balance, and he couldn't properly defend himself, and he got overwhelmed on the feet, yeah. which is going to happen when you only have one working leg. Yeah. When you couldn't fire back power either. You need a base it's, to stand on. So I'm essentially betting that John Cavanaugh and all those guys can come up with some kind of game plan to limit Dustin Poirier's leg kicks. And if that's the case, I'll take Connor. Um, that said, um, I definitely think Poirier probably has more one punch stopping power than Connor does. Mm-hmm. I think it's Connor's a, it's probably a controversial statement. Some people might not agree with that. I think Connor's a more fluid striker. I think he's a more technical striker. I think Poirier is just a tad more physical, and the leg kicks. Look, they it, it, they concern me because Connor looked like he'd never seen a leg kick before, and it totally just changed the entire tide of the fight. Um, I was back and forth on this. I ultimately took McGregor. I would certainly prefer Dustin from a DraftKings standpoint, probably, only because it's the same thing we just talked about with the betting odds. Connor McGregor is the most owned fighter anytime he fights because mm-hmm. he's the most popular fighter. Um, people who don't know anything about the sport, people who don't watch the sport, token fans, they watch McGregor and they insert him in their lineups. People who just, you know, want the action. He's the name they know. He's the guy they're going to roll to. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be a serious suppression in terms of Dustin Poirier's ownership on DraftKings. And I think that makes him a more attractive DraftKings play. Um, again, I went with McGregor to win. It's 50-50, which is essentially yep. what the DraftKings salaries, and I think by the time Saturday rolls around, I think that's what the Vegas odds are going to tell you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going the other side on this one. I'm going Dustin Poirier. I don't know how much I count for Mason bias it is because I, after I watch that second fight, I'm like, if they do a trilogy, which I see, I'm going to pick Dustin. And I know Connor looked you know, good in the first round. He had had some time off. You know, so that was a big factor for this. So not as much time off here uh, for this fight. And I see your point. The leg kicks made all the difference in the world. He was going after that league leg, and Connor did not have an answer. And John Kavanaugh, 
I'm sure he's going to come up with a game plan and they're going to figure out a way to be able to negate that aspect of, you know, of the fight, hopefully, or at least a strategy to check a few of them. You know, he's got to check a couple or he's going to have no chance. If he, oh, uh, if he, he has to throw something way. else at him yeah, or he's exactly. going to get overwhelmed. You know, he's a southpaw, maybe switch stances a little bit, find, you know, work more out of orthodox. We don't know. But Dustin Poirier's camp at American Top Team, those coaches are no slouches either. Nope. And I think they're going to try to play chess and they're going to try to think a move ahead. All right, so if Connor's going to try to check this leg kick and he's going to have this plan, do we shoot? Do we try a different combination? Do we try something else? And they're just they're gonna you know they're gonna try to outmaneuver Kavanaugh and company. And I have just as much as you know nothing against Kavanaugh. I just have just as much confidence in the folks at ATT to get Dustin ready for this fight. The other thing that really did it for me was is just career trajectory. You know, you could honor that. Con- you could argue that Connor's maybe been on a little bit of a downswing. You know, he's got all the money in the world. What's he fighting for? Dustin Poirier, on the other hand, now I know I'm going to this whole narrative-based explanation. Dustin Poirier, on the other hand, he wants to be champion. And, you know, Charles Oliveira is going to be there ringside. I think you can bet that once this trilogy is over, Oliveira will get the winner, so they're gonna, we're going to go for uh, a title shot here. And, and, and Poirier, more than anything else, wants. I mean, obviously he took this fight over the title fight because money's important too. It's prize fighting. But he wants to be champion, and I just think at this point in their respective careers, Poirier might have a little bit more to fight for. So you got the X factor. You got the technical factor. That put me in charge of Poirier. Let, let me just say, though, I've been notorious for picking against Connor for about as long as I've done this, uh, like all the way back to like Chad Mendez. I've always picked against Connor. So, you know, take that, take that with what you will. You know, I've been doing this picking against Connor, but I really do. I feel confident in Dustin. And when I land in Vegas on Saturday, I intend to put my money where my mouth is here and, uh, and see what happens. No, I mean, look, Dustin Poirier is seven and one over the past four plus years. Those wins include McGregor, Max Holloway, Justin Gaethje, and Dan Hooker. And the long loss was to Habib. I mean, that's the best of the best of the best. There's, you know, there's no one better. And you want to say you lost to Habib. That's great. Everybody lost to Habib. You know, the guy retired undefeated. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you brought up another good point. I think Dustin Poirier is the better wrestler. He's yep. certainly the more experienced wrestler. And, and you got Connor Connor playing those head games. I don't know if I can say what he tweeted on YouTube, but he kind of egged him on first person's a shooter is a blank, blank, blank. Look, you know? Connor McGregor's a better wrestler than he gets credit for. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty clear. We're going to talk about that again in a second with Steven Thompson. These guys are better wrestlers than they get credit for. Dustin Poirier is still a better wrestler than Connor McGregor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's going to have an edge if we end up on the mat. But this is mm-hmm. essentially you pick him. And that's what it says it is. But I, yeah. I you know, there are points. For and against both guys, I'd be pretty surprised if it's not competitive one way or the other. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I like the, I know it's 25 minutes, which, you know, I think I like the, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think there's a better chance of a, the fight going the distance mm-hmm. than the odds say. Yeah. You um, kind of see, I wouldn't be confident like, about it. Yeah. McGregor Diaz too, yeah, because odds the finish are minus three twenty five. That seems like a McGregor big number. McGregor Diaz too. Diaz submitted him in the first fight, and then McGregor took him five yeah. rounds. And that's one. Of, I mean, if, if Connor doesn't land the left, that's one possible way to victory path to victory is if he. Yeah, I'd feel better more decision. like minus two fifty, minus three twenty five seems high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe there's but, a little bit of value there, but it should uh, be a good fight. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight, and I mean. The odds are so close for a reason here. I gave all my technical reason for why I'm going to take Dustin Poirier with his camp and the narrative and all of that. But Connor could land the left at any point and just make me my words. We've seen him do it over and over again. He could 100% do that, come out more ready. Here's one last question on this fight before we move on. 
T-Mobile, Las Vegas, full house, packed crowd. They did this in Abu Dhabi for their second fight. Does the full crowd. I, you imagine the crowd. If it affects anybody, it's got to be Connor, right? You would think so. I mean, you would think he would get the bump, but then you go to the mm-hmm. flip side. I mean, Dustin Poirier has seen it all. He's fought everybody. Yep. I can't imagine he's going to be overwhelmed by it, you know. So uh, look, it's good. It's I, I, you know, I wish it was for something more than just breaking a trilogy. Yep. But you know, like you said, mm-hmm. the winner's probably going to end up getting a title. So I was it's say, title, title shot. shot so we, it is for something more. Yep. Yeah. Nobody's getting a belt on him on no, Saturday. Not night. Saturday. But uh, there will be a title shot. Charles Oliveira will be waiting, uh, you know, to get that opportunity. And you know, Oliveira against either of those guys. Uh, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming up with that now. I gotta yeah, look at that. No way, we gotta really think about that one. That'll be a tough one. But uh, all right, co-main event. Uh, like you said, no titles on this card. We've got another very excellent fight as the co-main event here. You know, sometimes Connor fights, they just kind of throw whoever they can on there. And you know, as we get down the card, it feels like that a little bit. But this is a good co-main event. Gilbert Burns, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Thompson is 8,500 on DraftKings. Burns is 7,700. Thompson's minus 155. Burns is plus 130. You know, I looked and tried to see what the opening odds were on this one, and it was actually Thompson that opened up as an underdog, and it essentially flipped, and it, it flipped over, and then now Thompson's the favorite here. Um, I'm not sure I'm seeing that, but what are you seeing with this one? I'm not seeing. This looks like a ton of recency bias to me. Um, anybody who reads, you know, my work or watches our pads will know that. I've been championing the Stephen Thompson bandwagon from the start. He's one. Robert Whitaker's another. There are a few guys. Um, and as much as this pains me to do it, I'm going to take Gilbert Burns here. I think he's being overlooked because of his loss to Kamaru Usman. And I think people are forgetting that he had Usman in all sorts of trouble in that fight early on. Um, knocked him down. Looked for all the world like he was going to get the stoppage. Didn't kind of gassed out a little bit i mean part of that was him gassing out part of it was usman just being so good and eventually wearing him out um but i think gilbert burns is being a little bit overlooked here um this is a guy who in gilbert burns who has unquestionably made significant strides in terms of his striking game it's never going to be on the level of his ground game because he's a bjj black belt and a wizard on the mat but Gilbert Burns is a better striker than he was just a couple of years ago. He's a better striker than he gets credit for. That's imperative against Stephen Thompson because if this turns into a 15-minute kickboxing match, Gilbert Burns is going to lose. You know, there's very few men in the world who can hang with Stephen Thompson in a 15-minute kickboxing match. Um, I don't think Gilbert Burns is one of them. Um, this is a rebound spot for Burns. And quite honestly, you know, it has to be the guy only lost one fight, but he lost to the champion. The guy who doesn't look like he's going to lose his belt anytime soon. And outside of the first couple of minutes, he kind of lost in pretty convincing fashion. I don't think he can afford a second straight setback. And then if you go a little deeper and you look at like the pure numbers, the numbers are pretty similar. Um, Wonder boy lands 4.24 significant strikes per minute. Burns is at 3.22 which is kind of a little bit to be expected given how much time Thompson spends on the feet and Burns spends on the mat. But once you get beyond that, as far in terms of striking accuracy and strike absorb per minute and overall defense, the numbers are really similar, which surprised me. You would think Thompson would have a major edge in terms of that. Um, the question for Thompson is going to be able to stay on his feet. Gilbert Burns averages just over two takedowns per 15 minutes. 
He's a big physical fighter. Steven Thompson's takedown defense is 78%. And it's pretty much what we just talked about with Connor. His Thompson's wrestling, Connor's wrestling will never be on the level they're striking, but they're better wrestlers than they get credit for. You know, just Steven Thompson, you know, Chris Weidman's brother-in-law, you know, works out with Weidman all the time. Look, his wrestling is better than he gets credit for. He's a big, long guy. He's got long limbs. He's hard to get to the ground. I think if this ends up being a 15-minute kickboxing match, that Stephen Thompson wins. But I just I think there's some recency bias in terms of Gilbert Burns being underlooked, uh, overlooked, I should say. I just I think the fact he got stomped by Usman is affecting his price here, and everybody gets stomped by Usman. Nobody's beaten him yet. So, you know, the next guy who really, you know, takes him to the limit will be the first. Yeah. I uh, just I just looked at this as a value value thing, you know, if you told me the prices were identical, maybe I would take Thompson. There just seems to be too much value on Burns for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I told you right now that Kamaru Usman is the number 1 pound for pound fighter on the planet, that statement would not be outlandish considering nope. Khabib's retired. Top three easily. You, know, you got you got Bones on past this. Uh, you know you can maybe work Nunez or something in there, but uh, losing to Kamaru Usman, there is no shame in that. He is he's the best there was. And uh, I guess well, let me start by playing a little a devil's advocate here. I would think uh, you know Thompson has never been submitted in his UFC career. He's only been KO'd once, and that was by Pettis with that wild Superman that was, punch. That was that, how that happened was fluky. Yeah, you, I mean, you could say maybe he can be got, but you can also say, yeah, that happened once in a whole bunch of fights here. Um, and then, of course, Thompson has the two-inch height and four-inch reach advantages. Those are all um, things in the, in the shades of Thompson. That's if I wanted to play devil's advocate. But, uh, you know, as much as I want to make for controversial, you know, de- debate show whatnot, I'm going to actually go with Burns on this one, too. The value, I think, is definitely there. Burns is four years younger, and, you know, he was on that six-fight winning streak, tearing through people, tore through Tyron Woodley, um, has some striking, you know. Not like guys like Damian Meyer or whatnot are the uh, epitome of striking, but Burns can get you. You can be got by Burns if you're not being careful. And I know it's the uh, basically the strong point of Wonder Boy. Um, but I think Burns might be able to hold, hold his own and land a little bit. And if he can just get like a few cobwebs to come in there, then the takedown's open here. And, um, yeah, I agree with you that these odds, they, they would have been flip-flopped. You know, if I had to set the, if I had to play guess the line, I would have flipped these right in half and had, you know, head burns around a minus one forty five favorite. But recency bias, you nailed it, man. People are way too, uh, just way too much recency bias here. And the, I mean, you know, the we don't, we never ever seem to talk about it because he looks like he's literally like twenty. Stephen Thompson's thirty eight years old. Yep. Look, he ha- and I know he hasn't been in the wars that a, like a guy like Donald Cerrone's been in mm-hmm. or a guy like Diego Sanchez, you know, he doesn't have the MMA miles on his body that those he guys do less frequently for one. And he also protects himself better. Right. He's not as reckless, but he's 38 years old. And I mean, you know, sooner or later, I'm, look, I'm not saying he's going to fall off a cliff, but sooner or later, you know, the reactions and the athletic, it's just going to drop a tad. It's just how yeah. it works. I feel like this is his last shot. It's his last run at a belt. If he can get a win here, then you have an argument to put him up against against Usman in the, in the near future, where I won't pick him there, but um, you, no. you, you put him up against Usman and give him one last shot. I, yeah, I years. will say he has a skill set that should age well, because like you said, he doesn't. Um, he's mostly on his feet. He doesn't absorb a ton of damage. He's kind of in and out as far as you know landing and getting out of the way. 
So, you know, he, he certainly doesn't have the miles on his body that some of these other guys do, but you know, it's just, I, I just, I think in other cases, if a guy was 38 years old, that would kind of be what we talked about first. Yep. And we don't really bring it up with him at all. Yeah. I mean, for normal humans, you think 34 would be just on the, like I'm talking about Burns here, 34 would be just on the edge of your athletic prime, if not past it. 38 would be almost definitely past your athletic prime for anyone but a heavyweight here. So, yeah, we don't we don't touch on that enough. And, and that was actually one of the big, that, that was one of the things that swayed me into, into definitely agreeing with you with this pick of Burns. 7,700 men. There's some big favorites on this card. You know, we'll talk about O'Malley as, as of the last one a little bit here. But, uh, you know, you're going to have to pick your dogs as you do any card. Even if you, I mean, you want the main event. Let's just, from a DraftKings st- strategy, 8,100, you're paying less than the average per fighter slot for someone in a five-round fight. You want to take your stand there, right? I think but, you're probably going to want the next fight, too, in some form or fashion. Yes, exactly here. So, uh, you know, you get you take your main event, you take your underdog here, then maybe you've got some options here to pay up for favorites if and when you believe, uh, you know, that they're, that they're sure things. But like you said, let's get into it. There's a heavyweight fight. You know, I've got some stats here that'll tell you that it's not the best of heavyweight fights, but you are since, correct. Greg, since Greg Hardy is part of it, it's getting a spot on a pay-per-view and a Connor pay-per-view, no less here. Uh, let's talk about Ty Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Tuivasa, 8,400 on DraftKings. Hardy, 7,800. Tuivasa, about a minus 145 favorite. Comeback on Hardy, plus 120. Odds to finish, actually less than the main event, about minus 180 here. A um, couple of heavyweights, a couple of low-level heavyweights, you could argue. If they didn't have the name, they could very well be uh, – they could end up on the prelims here. But, you know, whether you're – whether you, I don't think anyone actually likes Greg Hardy. I think people just want to see him lose. But that gives him enough popularity in this in a sport where you can get knocked out cold for people to root for that here. But, um, you know, Hardy pretty cheap. The UFC has been giving him, with the exception of Volkov, has been giving him pretty beatable guys here. And he uh, took the Volkov fight late in his defense. He stepped yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. And I know Volkov lost to Gane, but I mean, Volkov's, no, Volkov's good. He's a great heavyweight. Yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they give him a, lot, a much more reasonable opponent here. Tai Tuivasa, uh, the owner of the Shui, I guess you could say. I, I guess I'd call him the owner of the Shui. If I, 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 you know, I'm wearing sandals right now, but I think I might actually have to wear a shoe to, uh, to T-Mobile on Saturday, just in case, you know, just in case. I mean, case. it's not great that he's known more for that than his fighting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we'll take it away here. So we know we got these two, we got these two heavyweights, low level heavyweights, but how you want to attack this on DraftKings? Um, I have no idea. I know that sounds really bad because we're giving you a prediction video. Mm-hmm. Um, look, this is a fight. Like you mentioned, um, it's on the main card of a pay-per-view. It has no impact whatsoever on the rankings at heavyweight. So it's kind of one of those, anything can happen here. Um, Taitouivasa, um, won three straight fights to begin his UFC career, got over hype. Then he lost three in a row. Um, he's won back-to-back fights via knockout. One was against Seth Stefan Struve, who has since retired. The other is against someone named Harry Hunsucker. What, um, that was his only UFC fight. Hasn't fought. Since. Yeah. I, you know, I write, you know, I write a preview column for every single UFC event. I write the recaps for 90% of them. I don't remember Harry Hunsucker. Like, I think this is the first time I don't remember a guy's name. I don't remember that fight at all. I'm sure it happened. I don't remember it. Um, These are two guys who just swing for the bleachers with every single punch. There's 
no wrestling. There's nothing fancy. It's just let me go in and try and knock you out before you knock me out. Um, the cardio on both guys is not good. Um, and Hardy at least has theoretical athletic upside. I mean, the guy, what, he was an all-pro in the NFL. I'm pretty sure he was an all-pro in the NFL. So he has elite world-class athleticism, of course. He hasn't been in MMA for you know particularly long. He doesn't have the MMA cardio that he had as a professional football player. So that explosiveness that you see from Greg Hardy comes in really short spurts. And when I say short spurts, I don't mean like 30 seconds. I mean like five seconds. Like, you know, he'll come and try and attack you. And then it, it's if the attack doesn't work, he's yeah. like gassed for a I mean, minute. It's like a football play. 10, per, 10 seconds of explosiveness. Yeah, essentially. He's like rushing. Blows, there's yeah, a 40 right. second play clock. Yeah, Pretty much. He's like rushing again. the line trying to kill the quarterback or the running back. And if he doesn't get him, he has 40 seconds before he's ready to rush the quarterback again. Um, look, I took Tuivasa. Um, I just I don't think you can take Hardy at this point against anybody halfway decent because his path to vic- because his path to victory is so limited like if he doesn't knock you out it's almost impossible to see him winning like the cardio is so bad and there's nothing besides power punches that if he doesn't knock you out i don't see how he's going to win um i don't hate the idea of like punting Hardy in some lineups at 7,800 simply because I don't think Tuivasa is very good on the other side. Yeah. And like, I could see Tuivasa just getting caught or something because it's just two guys who just are uber aggressive. But I mean, uh, you know, this fight doesn't do a ton for me. And um, it's just Hardy's it's Tuivasa's cardio is not, I've just, I've been surprised with how bad Hardy's, I shouldn't say that. I've been surprised that Hardy's cardio hasn't gotten better. I guess is the way to put it. You know, this is the a guy one that's tried to use an inhaler in the octagon before. Yeah, you can't do that. I'm surprised <laughs> you, they didn't tell you, him that. If you well, if you want to know what the no contest on his record is, not the DQ, but the no contest, you know, there's always something weird that follows this guy. Yeah, so you have a guy who last fought Harry Hunsucker against the guy who tried to use an octagon inside the an inhaler inside the octagon. <laughs> yeah. I mean that says it all here. Now when I was good luck trying good luck trying to pick a winner. Yeah, exactly. But see, the thing is, though, is I think you need, like you said, you might need this fight for your DraftKings lineup here. Now, I originally wrote down Hardy when I was going to make this pick because of what I see as an athletic advantage. I mean, you look at Tuivasa's body, you wouldn't kiss professional athlete immediately, um, you know, despite the amount of tattoos, uh, which are awesome. But anyway, neither here, here nor there. But I figure, okay, if you can swim past an NFL defensive lineman, why can't you slip a jab and counter? You know, that would be my was my first thought here. But then I started looking at this, and I started kind of going back on Hardy's fights and, and, and dissecting his record a little bit. Hardy doesn't have an actual UFC win over anybody that's currently on the UFC roster. There's a stat that I wanted to throw out. Maurice Green, Jorgen DeCastro, Juan Adams, all been cut. Dmitry Smolyakov suspended and then cut. So you go back. I forgot and, the crochet boss was sent packing. Yeah, the crochet boss. He was popular for a little. That was a recent cut. That's really the only thing that could make this stat work. Tuivasa, um, his only two wins against guys still on the roster are technically Huntsucker, if he's still around, because it's only one fight, it's and then man. Andre Arlovsky. Who's so, what, 44 or whatever he is? Yeah. So, I mean, that that tells you, you know, that, that tells you all you need to know about this fight. That's how it illustrates the quality yeah. of this fight. Um, you know, again, Hardy, I would say, is probably more athletic in a traditional sense. He has the height and reach advantages. You have to 
get a little bit of exposure. If you're making 100 lineups trying to take down the GPP, you need to at least account for the possibility that Hardy comes out and lands, and in his one-minute flurry where he empties his entire gas tank, he puts Tuivasa to sleep because that can happen. That is very well within the range of outcomes And what would you say, 15% maybe? 20 yeah, let's, if you're doing 100 lineups, yeah, 15, 20 hardy lineups seems about right, and maybe 20, 25, a little bit more to Look, Ivasa. I don't want to pile on to Ivasa, but like, mm-hmm. Hardy's not facing anybody good. Like there's, like, there's no deception here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what you're getting. Exactly. It's like whoever lands first and crumbles first. Mm-hmm. So here's the X factor in this for me. If Tuivasa can somehow withstand that early storm, we know about Hardy's cardio. Um, I mean, we know about Tuivasa's cardio, but I think the X factor could be leg kicks in this fight here. Now I go back when you watch film to the uh, the Greg Hardy and Jorgen DeCastro fight in the first round. Jorgen DeCastro beat up Hardy's lead leg. He was attacking it, attacking it, attacking it, and then DeCastro like. He came up limp. He hurt himself somehow. It was a lower leg injury, and he wasn't firing off the same, and then Hardy managed to win the next two rounds here. So I think there's a weakness in this game. If you're Tuivasa, who can mix up leg kicks? He showed it before. He landed 19 against Blago Ivanov. He did. He landed a few hard ones against uh, against um, Hunsucker in his last fight, a few against Andrei Arlovsky, who's you know seen it all and defended it all. But I think if he can chop Hardy's lead leg, like DeCastro did, the fight will eventually come to him. It'll slow down that explosiveness. Like we talked about in the beginning with Poirier chopping uh, Connor's leg, you know, you lose the power to throw off of. It becomes a lot easier to stand. I don't know how hard he can fight if he switches stance, how much they've worked. He's an ATT guy too. Great coaching, but very late to the MMA game. I'm seeing an X factor being leg kicks for Tuivasa. And again, he can get caught. Anybody can get caught in the heavyweight division. But I think if he can extend this fight for a little bit and go after that lead leg, there's a path to victory there. Possibly a second or third round stoppage, and that's what yeah, I'm I mean, call. I I'm would pick Tuivasa. Yeah, for you know, like I, I would say, if you the odds of Greg Hardy knowing how to properly defend leg kicks is exceedingly small. Mm-hmm. Like that's not why he's in there. Yeah. He's just so going like, to bank on his leg being huge and being able right. to take so like enough if of tu, them if before, Ivasa, knock him out before he takes them out. If isn't foolish and, like, actually goes in there with, like, a game plan mm-hmm. of, like, trying to take out a limb yep. as opposed to just getting in a slugfest, he should win without issue as yeah. long as he doesn't get caught. Circle, circle, throw the leg kick. Circle, yeah, that's circle, all. Get, make Hardy mad. That would, I mean, it's not a fan-friendly game plan, but no, it's a game plan that I would think would be successful. I, so. I mean, and this is on, you're right, this is on the main card. One, because even though it's he's not popular in a good way, he is mm-hmm. popular, Greg Hardy. He's, he's a villain. He's uh, a, yes, he like, is. He's and, a, I guess if you, you call it, you know. So. Yeah, he is. And the other reason is that the odds of this seeing the final bell are not particularly great. And I'm actually a little surprised that this fight isn't opening the pay-per-view. Because this is the kind of thing they usually roll with to open a pay-per-view. Because I figure it's to be like an action-packed thing where some guy doesn't get up. And that's kind of what they like to do. But Yeah, that hypes people up for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, again, the depth isn't the strongest here. There's a couple more good fights we're going to talk about here. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, they've they've always done this. ESPN, UFC has always done with this Greg Hardy, putting him in big spots. And when he's not illegally kneeing somebody or pulling out an inhaler, um, sometimes there's fireworks. So, 
We'll see what happens here. Let's I can't jump to pull that in an inhaler. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I still can't. I can picture it too. What? The, oh God, it was unbelievable. It was amazing. What's he doing? Yeah. And watching anyway. people on Twitter just blow like, did <laughs> well, he just pull an inhaler during a fight? You can't do that. I, well, no. The commission guy told him it was okay. That's also just as mystifying. But anyway, yeah, yeah that's gonna follow Hardy. I mean, one of oh, many stories it. that'll follow. Oh, he'll Hardy be retired, and that'll be the highlight of his career. All right, so. Anyway, we got to move on, though. Women's Bantamweight fight. Irene Aldana, Yana Kunitskaya. Aldana, slight favorite at minus 120. Comeback on Kunitskaya, plus 100. 8,300 on DraftKings will get you Aldana. Kunitskaya, 7,900. Um, what are you thinking about this one, John? Yana Kunitskaya is my favorite underdog play on the entire card. Um, I just I don't think Irene Aldana is very good. Um uh, Aldana lost her first couple bouts with UFC, then won three in a row. She's two and two in her last four fights. I was really concerned about what happened in the Holly Holm fight, her most recent fight, um, last October. It was a main event spotlight, which is, you know, that's another story. But, um, Aldana was essentially routed bell to bell. It was not a good performance. Um, and like, say, Holly Holm obviously is a former UFC champion, but at her age, her skill set is extremely limited. You know what you're getting. It's really just, you know, it's kind of the wonder. It's, it's yeah, it's a wonder. wonder it's the Wonder Boy essentially, the Wonder Boy skill set where it's just pure kickboxing. She's 39, Wonder Boy 38. Yeah, and somewhere. I was really, really concerned with what I saw from Irene Aldana in that fight. She did not look good at all. Um, Yana Kunitskaya has probably been better than she with UFC than she gets credit for. Um, she made her company debut in March 2018. Um, was destroyed by Chris Cyborg. You know, that was a title fight, which is back when the division was, and the belt was made for Cyborg. That's a different story. Um, Kunitskaya has rebounded. She's won four or five since. Um, the only knockout, the only defeat in that time was against Aspen Ladd, who is one of the better young fighters in women's MMA. Um, this probably, I have a hard time seeing this develop into anything other than a kickboxing match. Um, Aldana's three inches taller, but I just I don't see the explosiveness or the recreative skill set to dominate her opposition on the feet. If Stephen Thompson gets in a in a groove, he can just flat out wear you out on the feet. I don't see that with Aldana, um, and I'm really concerned about Aldana's defense. She lands 5.2 significant strikes per minute. That is a fantastic number until you look at the fact that she eats 5.97 a minute. And Yana Kunitskaya, for comparison's sake, absorbs 2.62 a minute. So essentially, Aldana's eating three more, three plus more strikes a minute. A major, major issue in a fight that's probably going to be a kickboxing match. And essentially Aldana's power has disappeared as the competition she's faced has gotten better. She has some knockouts on her record. They all came early in her career against lesser competition. Toss in the fact Yana Kunitskaya is engaged to Tiago Santos. Obviously, you know, not all that long ago, probably should have taken the UFC light heavyweight title from John Jones. Um, Tiago's an elite striker, tons of one punch power. You know, I think having that tutelage only helps. I'm rolling with Kunitskaya here. I didn't hesitate on this one for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to hesitate on it, but in the end, I'm going to be with you here. I like Kunitskaya in this fight as well uh, for a couple of reasons here. But my main one, the main note, really the one note I wrote down for this one is it's been 280 days for Aldana, or it will have been since that home fight and now since her last pro fight. She's coming off foot surgery. 
Now, there are two ways to take this, and I know I'm jumping into the narrative base here. One, there was a rumor that she broke her foot before the home fight, and that contributed to why she looked so badly. Um, and that maybe, maybe you do the narrative and say that, well, will she be healthy for this one? Right, and then it's maybe fixed she'll now, be so a little she'll look better. better. She'll look better. So that's one. If you're going to make a case for Eldana, that's, that would be the one to go. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, it's two sides. One, I really don't like taking someone coming off injury, especially like a broken foot, because how much sparring are you doing in that 280 days? How, how does it heal? That can get rebroken, that kind of thing. But then the other side of the narrative is if it was broken for the home fight and she's since got a chance to heal, how much better will she look here? Um, I mean, this fight's plus 200 odds to finish. I don't think I have a ton of exposure on DraftKings to this fight. And this is going to be a weird one where I'll probably play less DraftKings because I can't actually adjust my lineups while I'm in Las Vegas. Or I got to call someone and have them do it. Anyway, it, yeah, it's a, a weird thing. So I might play less DraftKings. But I just don't see myself having a ton of exposure to this fight. I would probably be with you and take more Kunitskaya. I like her overall rounded game. Can grapple if she has to. You know, g- comes in with powerful strikes. You know, so anyone that's fought Cyborg, you know... And, and is actually able to be sanctioned like that at 145, you know, should have some power behind her. And I, I believe that she has enough to outpoint Aldana. It'll be a close fight. I don't see the high score. I mean, it would have to be a lot of strikes landed to put up a good yeah, draft. No, I think, think Kuniskai is a better um, just bet, you know, flat out just, you know, wager mm-hmm. if you're, you know, you're on one of our, you know, sports yeah. pools or anything like I'm that. I'm looking at plus 100 for... She's pretty much plus one hundred across that's, the board here. So that's I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up minus something by the time this starts. Yeah, I can I see her being minus one ten, minus one fifteen by the time this kicks off. Yeah, I'm playing a dangerous game. I'm landing in Vegas at like noon, and then the start the fights start at four Vegas time. So you know, knock on wood for no delays, and I got plenty of time to get to the book here beforehand. But I guess there's mobile betting now too, so we can worry about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm not going to talk about this one a ton more, just because yeah, I see the ceiling being a little bit limited here. Um, curious to see what Joe has to say on Friday. The, you know, the, the women's fight whisper. We'll see what he has going here. Um, let's keep going, though. Uh, we talked about, you know, maybe the heavyweight should have been the opener of the pay-per-view, but there's another pretty good opener here. Well, an okay opener. The UFC wants to showcase one of its budding stars on a Conor McGregor card. That seems like, you know, what this is here. It's Sean O'Malley taking on Chris Moutinho. It was supposed to be O'Malley against Louis Smolka. Louis Smolka had to drop out. They're bringing Moutinho from Cage Fury FC um, to come up and fight O'Malley. I don't see a DraftKings salary for Moutinho just yet. I imagine that will be added. Um, in short order. Nope, I don't see one yet. But O'Malley's 9500 super pricey, you know, as as one would expect here. That was because DraftKings did the salaries two weeks ago, though. Um, that was what he was going to be against Smoka. So if anything, you could argue that there is maybe even a little bit of value at 9500 So you got him as a minus 900 favorite. Comeback on Moutinho, plus 600. Odds to finish are minus 450. To me, I look at this, and this is nothing, like I said, but a showcase for O'Malley. They give him, you know, there's a reason Marab really wanted this fight. Um, you know, uh, that was Rick never Simone. Happening wanted this fight there's a reason the ufc didn't go in that direction you can see reports about them wanting to do 135 145 whatever the reason the ufc doesn't didn't go with any of those options is because they want to showcase o'malley on a mcgregor card to me it's as simple as that so they picked an opponent that he should beat i mean 
right? Is, 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 I don't want to discount Moutinho. I'm sure he's great, but he's not undefeated. You know, you want a guy making their UFC debut to be undefeated. He's lost a couple times. He joins Cage Fury FC after years under CES. He has four total losses on the lower circuits, two by TKO and two by sub. Um, I, I just don't see a way that he gets it done against a striker like O'Malley. Nope. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I certainly didn't think Smoke was going to get it done either. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this, yeah, this, you know, this is what it is. It's one of those cases where using Sean O'Malley at that price probably, I don't know, I would say probably could very well pay off. But again, it's just such a huge chunk of your budget that if anything goes wrong in the least, you are totally, totally sunk. Mm-hmm. But at yeah. the same time, you look at the first round knockout props on Rotowire, he, he has the what I believe is the best one. I got to, I got to go relook it up now. I believe he's got one of the best for, he should have the, he should have the best one. Yeah. Win by knockout. Uh, Sean O'Malley win by knockout minus two fifty. The next biggest is Tuivasa at plus two plus one sixty. Then McGregor at plus one eighty. Topuria plus one ninety. Poirier plus two hundred. We only really have the main card and then the Condit fight on here as far as uh, you know ones that you know are, are displaying right now. But O'Malley definitely has the best uh, win by KO uh, spread on here. So um, it's as simple as that for me. And um, I would imagine that. That that's how it goes. I don't. I just don't really don't have a whole lot more to say about that. Nope, that's about the size of it. It's uh, a showcase event for O'Malley that mm-hmm. theoretically should be an even bigger showcase now that he's facing a late notice replacement. Right on. So I mean, that pretty much covers. You know, I run down those guys: O'Malley, Tuivasa, McGregor, Tapuria. All those guys kind of are big candidates for that gone in sixty second bonus that DraftKings is doing now. Um, what about, I mean, anything else you want to hit on this card? I know you wrote about Condit and Griffin in your preview. Uh, I don't know if you want to hit on that from a DraftKings standpoint or any other, other underdogs that maybe you like here. Um, but before we wrap up, I, I'll just kind of give the floor over to you to see what uh, see if you got anything else you want to add. Yeah, I wrote up Condit and Griffin uh, only because when I wrote my preview, O'Malley didn't have an opponent. That's when they were kind of searching for where they were going to go there. Um, you know, the Condit-Griffin fight is pretty basic. Um I just, it's, you know, Con, Carl Connors, Con, Carlos Condit's 37 years old. Um, he has a couple uh, unanimous decision wins over Court McGee and Matt Brown lately. Um, I just, I like this fight because I think it should be entertaining. And I think that, I don't think he's going to win, but I don't know if Carlos Condit's going to get totally overwhelmed. Ultimately, though, I took Max Griffin just because. Carlos Condit's takedown defense is 39%. Like, that's, like, horrendous. And this is a guy we have years and years and years of video on, and it's still 39%, which is, like, I was mind-blown when I saw that number. Like, I knew it wouldn't I knew it wouldn't be good, but I didn't think it was that bad. And I think Max Griffin could drag him to the ground a couple times and just grind out a couple rounds, and that'll be the end of that. But um, if you want to flip over to some underdogs that I, I think are decent, um, you know, I don't, I like Omari Akhmedov against Brad Tavares. Um, Akhmedov 7,600, Tavares is 8,600. That kind of just is one of those value plays for me where I just, I don't think there's a thousand dollars in salary between the two. I just think yeah. it's closer than that. Um, and the other one, that I looked at was Ryan Hall at 7,100. Um, only because he's just he's so 
damn unique. There's no one who fights like him. You can't find anybody willing to fight him because of how he fights. And I just, I don't know. That seemed like a, like he, he seemed low to me. Like every time we see the guy, the guy's awesome. He just never fights because no one wants to fight him because he rolls around like an idiot half the time. Mm-hmm. But when he does fight, he's good. He's he's like one of the best mat specialists in the world, like ever. And so you know, tricky, it's hard to predict. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to predict the submission. And you know, seventy one hundred seems like a nice price for a guy with an all world skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, Ilya Tapuria is like he's a really highly regarded prospect, yeah. and most people suspect he's going to. Uh, He's going to roll right through him. But I will say one thing. I'm down to one life left in a survivor pool that I'm doing, and uh, I will not be taking Tapuria with that because all for all we know, Hall's going to just roll into some kind of weird heel hook from the bottom. And I could see him, yeah, like him and Ari rolling into like a heel hook or just doing something weird. And uh, and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say submission. Jessica I with that pick either. Yeah. <laughs> no. We're not going to talk about whether or not. Just, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I could see that. Um, I don't know. I like Tapuria. I'm not confident enough about yeah. it, but maybe I'll have a, you know, if you're mass entering, maybe get a couple lines. I could see Akhmedov too, because Tavares had that shoulder injury and it seems like that would, and Akhmedov's just going to shoot Akhmedov's actually like not that bad. Like he, yeah. he's, he's decent. Yeah. He's going to shoot takedowns and you know, you better have two solid shoulders if you're going to defend takedowns from him. <sighs> the only downside is like, yeah, you can get underdog money on him, but like, how high scoring is it going to be? It'll it be won't be great. With... I mean, Akhmedov is six one and one in his last eight fights. The mm-hmm. loss was to Chris Weidman. The draw was Marvin Vittori. So I mean, like you know, he he's he's hung in reasonably well against good competition. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a win. He's got a win over Ian Heinish, who was good. Um, you know, he beat Tom Brees in his last fight. Tom Brees is actually good. He's like legitimately good and underrated. Um, you know, I think Akhmedov's pro of the ones we haven't gone into detail. Akhmedov's probably one of my favorite underdog plays on the card. He just seems too cheap. All right. Fair enough. Well, I guess we'll leave it at that. I mean, between the dogs that we picked on the main card, the few more that you offered up, um, seems like plenty of ways to build a lineup, whether or not you want to include O'Malley in that lineup. I think you do because once you take the main event and maybe you take Burns and you're, you're freeing up salary for you, but that'll be one of the biggest, uh, decisions we'll have to make here on this whole card um but man i gotta get this mixed up and uh and get to watching my bucks tonight here in the finals so uh i'm gonna wrap this up do you have any final thoughts here john no you watch your bucks uh i'm gonna watch Degrom and your brewers oh yeah there we go i'm gonna have to have the split screen in the, in the old latarski basement tonight um but all right that sounds good thanks again everyone for tuning in to our live video, listening to the Road to Wire Mixed Martial Arts podcast. Once again, he's he's John Littering. You can give him a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Roto Jake. We're going to be back with you guys. The next card is UFC 265, Lewis versus Gane on August 7th here. So we'll check out you guys in August. Remember, rotowire.com slash try, 10-day trial. If you want to use our lineup optimizer to mass enter, if you want to get an early look at our football rankings, if you want to you know, you need to reevaluate your fantasy baseball team at the all-star break. Uh, all of those features uh, will be open to you going to rotowire.com slash try. No credit card required. Thanks again for listening here, everyone, and uh, good luck with your bets. And Take your care. lineups. Take yeah, care, guys. And your lineups.